Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters. Welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite gal pal, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today we are doing part two. This is our Stabby Snippet Thursday, so we are doing part two of Don't Pick Up the Phone. Mm -hmm. It is a Netflix series, and it is quite good. Yes, it is quite the journey, for sure. If you haven't watched it, you are missing out because it Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of recap where we left off, basically, we had two cops, one by the name of Buddy Stump and the other by the name of Victor Flattery. Mm -hmm. And they are both investigating two different cases, one in Mount Washington, Kentucky, and one in like suburban Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. where a local restaurant, well, not really a local, like a chain restaurant received a call from an individual claiming to be a police officer, stating an employee had stolen, gave a vague description, they picked someone that kind of matched it, and then they did inappropriate strip searches. Yeah. The case in Kentucky, the poor girl actually ended up having to perform a sexual act on a person who wasn't even part of the restaurant. So it's like, it's even weirder that that happened. It was the fiance of the assistant manager. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other one was a girl who she had gone through like the motions and stuff like that and to just did what was told. Mm -hmm. So it picks up with a new story of a woman named Deborah. So Deborah is a 19 year old girl. You know, they lived in like a rural area. She said that they had moved around a lot. Mm hmm. And she wanted some extra money because she didn't have it. So she did what a lot of 19-year-olds do when they don't have access to money is they get a job. Mm -hmm. So she's working. And, you know, I just want to say, like, I really think it it's really great when you hear like or you see these these young individuals who like get out and they're like, I'm trying to make it on my own. They're trying to be a member of society. And so that's what she was doing. She worked at a Taco Bell, which it's one of Tara and I's favorite eateries. Let's be real. <laughs> yes, we love yes. Taco Bell. <laughs> and so she was just, you know, doing her thing. And there was a call. And there was the same story. A purse got stolen in the lobby. 
they gave her the option to either like be brought down to the police station or have the strip search be done there. Mm-hmm. She opted to have it done there because she didn't want to go to the police station because she was scared. Right. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I totally get that. Like, I would have been scared as well. And she complies. The weird thing about this one is that, like, he made, like, the caller made her do a bunch of exercises Mm -hmm. because they wanted her to sweat because something to do with, like, the contact of the money could then be, like, rubbed off of her. It was weird to me. I didn't quite follow that. It was a male manager. Of course. She at one point said no, but then got scared because they put pressure, you know, there was pressure put on her. And then something happens. The caller asks the manager to do something and he just yells, fuck you, and hangs up. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if like, and then he like gives her back her clothes because like as she's taking off her clothes, like kind of the way that they describe it, like later in the episode, we we actually get to hear from someone who was the manager in the situation. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, take off the shirt and like shake out the sleeves. Right. I was like, oh. Here's the weird thing, like, in, in this, and there's no excuse for what happened, but there's, like, I, I see the little hook logic that he mm-hmm. used. So if, like, you're trying to, like, figure out, like, is this true, is this not true? But he's like, oh, you know, maybe the money is stuck, you know, in her arms. So you've just, you know, right. shake it out. He's starting reasonable. Right. So then I, but I thought to myself, like, you could have asked her to take her arm out of the sleeve. Exactly. Still covered and then shook out the arm. Like, I started, you know. We'll get to we'll get to Alan, who's that individual in a bit. Yeah. So Deborah gets her clothes back. She goes home. She tells her twin brother Daniel what's going on. And, you know, she doesn't really want to talk about it. Right. Because she's been traumatized. Like, right. Which geez. makes sense when you're 19 yeah. and you're fresh into the world and somebody does something like this to you. Like, especially when it comes from a position of power. Oh, for sure. For sure. So now we have that case and then it kind of flashes back and they're talking about, you know, it's Vic. Vic is very Mm -hmm. heavily, he's, Buddy was a lot in the last episode talking. Vic is going to be our primary cop in this one. Mm -hmm. Right. If you remember, there's 73 cases in 32 states and every single call comes back to Panama City, Florida. And like the one thing that I thought was interesting was that Vic was like, not a single call came from like Texas, California, Washington, any other state. Like this dude didn't even, he didn't travel outside of his, even his like city. Mm -mm. It was just Panama City, Florida. Hit up a payphone. Mm -hmm. In Panama City, Florida. (laughs) And if you remember, they had gotten footage from Walmart and like a CVS type store. Yes. And they identify him as what they believe is a cop. They see the pants and everything, and they're like, okay. So then Vic is like, fuck this. I'm not going to wait around. Like, I know this is a cop, and I know he's in Panama City. Mm -hmm. Which, when you think about it, like, it narrowed it down from the entire... Like, I like the way they did it, because they were like, narrowed it down from everyone in Florida. But really, they narrowed it down from everyone in the United States to the city of Panama City. Mm -hmm. And then that's still a shit ton of people, and because it is a tourist area... Someone mm-hmm. could come in and out unnoticed. Yeah. But then they like career to a very specific type of person. Right. Mm-hmm. And they know that 
when he goes there, he sees the he finds the payphone and the payphone that's being used in like the in two of the calls are like really fucking close. It's the same payphone and it's right next to like a gas station. And for those of you who were born after The Lion King came out, the original one, <laughs> payphones, like we talked last time, are those little boxes with a phone in it and you had to put money in it. But they were often at gas stations because mm-hmm. you would be like, okay, I've stopped for gas. I need to call my loved one to say, hey, I'm, on my, I'm here in this city. Mm-hmm. I remember one time, like after I had a cell phone, I... My cell phone, I thought I, I was driving home from college, which was in the Bay Area. And I thought I left my phone in my dorm room. Oh, man. And I was like, for your frame of reference, I was in Arbuckle. Oh, shit. So I was real <laughs> far away, right? Yeah. Like, I, was, um, I was like, oh, shit, I got to drive two and a half hours back to school to get my fucking phone. Is <laughs> what I'm thinking, or just not have a phone. Right. I remember I pulled over to a pay phone and I called my cell phone and I, I saw it like my old fucking brick Nokia just like lit up. And I was like, my phone. <laughs> like, thank God. But thank God for pay phones in 2004. Right? For real. During this time. <laughs> 2004. <laughs> so, and the thing is, is like he's really fucking close to people. Like if you think about gas stations, especially in like well or like big cities that like Mm -hmm. people travel in Mm -hmm. gas stations are typically 24 7 and they're used a lot and so people had to have been walking past this dude like a bunch of times and think about how many times he probably used that payphone the fucking dude inside (sighs) probably like they could have probably brought the laptop and been like is this the who's this guy you see him often Mm -hmm. they'd be like yeah that's payphone guy (laughs) right so then they're like, okay, we know he's a cop. We're just going to go to the Panama City PD. They start talking to the detectives. They bring up the laptop. They show the picture. And they're like, that's not one of our cops. That's not even a cop. <laughs> and, and, you know, and you see Vic go, the fuck, it's not a cop. <laughs> like, he cuts his look on his face. And like, fuck <laughs> you, that's a cop. And they're like, no, that's a correctional officer. That's the pants they mm-hmm. wear. And I was like, oh, so because if you think about it, a lot of cops' uniforms are pretty much the same everywhere, like, in your state. Right. Mm-hmm. So he could drive an hour to two. Like, if, if I'm some sicko that, like, was doing this, I could drive three hours to Panama City True. to do this, right? Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, but being a correctional officer makes it a little bit more, it draws it in. It makes it smaller. They start thinking about, like, this individual, right? They, they start talking and describing this person because they kind of go back in time and they're, they're going to talk about, like, Donna Summer, Donna Summers and Walter Nix in a second. And they talk about the caller. He's calm. He's articulate. He sounds authoritative. He gives descriptions. And, like, one of the things that was interesting is they're like, well, how does he know what they're wearing? And it's like, it's really easy to know what they're wearing because you go to any McDonald's in the United States and everyone is wearing the same uniform. Mm-hmm. You go to Applebee's, or at least you used to go to Applebee's, and everyone wore the same fucking polo mm-hmm. t- polo <laughs> shirt and khakis. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that they do. Like every every chain restaurant has this. I mean, right. sometimes you know you'll go- get out into like real rural areas. Chain restaurants may break down a little bit, maybe not be as strict, but. I've worked for, when I worked in rest, the restaurants, I worked for both a corporate and a franchise. And, you know, franchises, sometimes they're actually more strict because they want to seem 
just mm-hmm. like corporate. So yeah. it's just really easy. So Donna and Walter go to court. Walter, like, there's just no fucking way he's getting away from this. He's dead to rights. I get the whole, the caller told me to do this, so I had her take her clothes off. I mean, I don't get it, but, like, at least if, like, that's the extent of it, you're like, okay, you were just following. But, dude, she gave you head. Right? Like, come on now. At that point, you know you've done fucked up, sir. Yeah. And so he was given five years. I think we talked, I think we looked this up last time. He was given five Mm -hmm. years and was made to become a sex offender. Yep. And then Donna put in an an Alfred plea, I believe that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. And she got, her sentence was reduced to a misdemeanor and she was given one year probation. And the thing that fucking pissed me off is when they're like showing her in court, she starts crying and is like, this has just ruined my life. Fucking as it should. Right? What the fuck? That also ruins a victim's life because that's stuck with her forever. Right. Like, okay, ma'am, you made her like take her clothes off and do jumping jacks. Your fiance sexually (laughs) assaulted her. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, this young, this young girl who's barely 18, you cross so many lines and at no point until a grandpa figure a retiree making extra money at at McDonald's goes, this isn't real. Did it click in your fucking brain to be like, this is a scam. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm coming down harsh on this, but like at the same time, I get people make dumb decisions when they're stressed. And I was actually thinking about this study a while back in regards to this. The one they bring up. Mm -hmm. The Melgrim study. And basically what it is, is that this guy, Stanley Milgram, Mm -hmm. he did a study where basically like a teacher individual who's the real participant. And they've done this study like multiple times. They've even done this study where like, I think they did it where like people, like they thought they died. Mm -hmm. So then a lot of it's like pre-recorded, like the screams and everything like that. And they like fake it and everything like that. So basically... The teacher participant is as asking questions to a learner is what it's called. And the learner has to answer the question correctly. Now, if the question is answered incorrectly, they're they're administered a shock. And it's manual. Someone had to turn the dial. Someone had to like turn up the, they have to turn it up and they have to push the button. And 65% of participants, because they were told they had to do this. Mm Mm-hmm would go all the way, which also means 35% were like, oh, fuck you. I'm not Mm -hmm. doing it. Those are the good people. (laughs) (laughs) But people who are put in a situation where they're like, I mean, a lot of those people said, well, I figured they weren't, I could hear that they were in pain, but I didn't think it was like a serious because like we were in this environment. Or people would say like, well, they made me, they told me I had to do this. No, you're volunteering in a study, bro. Exactly. And this is kind of the same concept. And they they had brought in the the person who talks about this. His name is Dr. Jerry Burns. He's a psychologist, which makes sense that they mm-hmm. got someone to talk about this. Now we're going to talk about Alan. Alan is from Rapid City, South Dakota. He worked at a Hardee's. And if you're from the West Coast, Hardee's is Carl's Jr. Mm-hmm. Same difference. <laughs> yeah. Same company, I think. And everything. Yeah, it's just- I guess just regionally, they just have a different name, but it's the same stuff. I like it. I think it's cool, but like. (laughs) (laughs) 
Alan was in his 50s, so he was older. Mm-hmm. He got a job as an assistant manager. He was brand new. And they got the call. He found the employee. He, you know, did the strip search. He did a, ca- I believe he did a cavity check. Mm-hmm. He had to have done a cavity check. He had to do some sort of penetration. Like he had to check his, her mouth and mm-hmm. everything like that. And kind of what got him was another assistant manager came in and was like, what the fuck? The call was about two and a half hours long. And Alan's actually being interviewed. Yeah. And I get the impression that Alan is not a very intelligent man. I get the impression that there might be some, like, there might be a deficit in his, like, cognitive reasoning. Mm. I didn't get that. Oh, that's kind of what I got. I got that that maybe he wasn't, I don't know how else to explain it. Like, I just Mm -hmm. got this weird vibe that, like, maybe he had some, like, cognitive issues. Like, he didn't process Oh, I just took it as he was extremely nervous to talk about this. Oh, maybe. I mean, that too. His hands were, like, shaking. Yeah, that's true. So. And he was very fidgety with his cup. Mm-hmm. So when it's all said and done, he leaves work. He goes home. He comes to work the next day. And there are two detectives there. And he's arrested and he's charged with three felonies. Mm-hmm. Two counts of kidnapping and one count of second degree rape. So then I looked up second degree rape. And then a lot of it was talking about, like, healthcare professionals. So then I looked mm-hmm. up South Dakota. and so. In the state of South Dakota, second-degree rape is a Class 1 felony defined by the legislature of South Dakota as sexual penetration occurring through the use of force, coercion, threat of immediate and great bodily harm against the victim, accompanied by the apparent power of execution. So basically, it makes sense that this kept popping up for healthcare Mm -hmm. individuals because, like, you know. So he was charged with it, and at this point, this is three felonies. That's three mm-hmm. strikes. Mm-hmm. So he was going away for life. Mm-hmm. And his attorney, Randall something. They basically, their biggest thing that they used was when this all started, the young lady in question was like, please cover the camera. I don't want anyone to see. Mm-hmm. And Alan was like, no, 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 no. And their biggest defense was, if he's really this criminal who's out there like, as a sexual predator, mm-hmm. why would he have covered, why would he not, or why would he have documented it? And I was like, uh, several reasons. So right now, that was my thought too. He could go back and look at it later mm-hmm. so that he could use this exact excuse later in court. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of reasons in my head that when that attorney asked that question, I was like, no, just because you're like, you left the camera, who knows? Like, maybe the other person on the phone, if he's in on it, Maybe they're tapped into that feed and they're recording mm-hmm. it somewhere else. Like, you don't know. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. So they put Alan on the stand, which is the other reason I think I got the, like, the cognitive deficit type thing is that they, like, the attorney wanted them to know he was just, he got, like, hoodwinked. Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah. For sure. Yeah, they wanted him to explain, I guess. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, what he was thinking and all that stuff. He said he was unconscious for the trial. And I think he meant, like, he disassociated. Yeah. <laughs> the trial. So, that, like, that's the other reason I was like, that's a mm. weird choice of word. Like, so, I'm, I don't know, maybe. I don't know. But he had a job. He had a trial by his peers. Mm-hmm. And he was found not guilty. Right. 
And I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. I do think that Alan should have had some sort of like. Sort of wherewithal to be like, no, fuck you, caller. Hang up. (laughs) That. And or just because you're being like, I don't want to like equate it to this, but it's like, that's the kind of like what the Nazis said. They told me to do this. So I did it. I mean, that's just kind of like anybody deflecting. Like, that's just deflecting responsibility. Like, there has to be some sort of accountability. And I get that there's, like, 73 cases and that people feel hoodwinked. But, like, at the same time, like, if I get into my car and I decide and I make the choice to look down at my phone and text and I hit someone and I kill them, Mm -hmm. I made a choice that was bad and it resulted in someone getting really hurt. Right. There's consequences for that. And as much as I in that situation would like to be like, oh, I made a mistake, like I didn't do it on purpose. It's not always intention. Exactly. Anyway, so now we're going back to Panama City. (laughs) (laughs) So Vic has found that there are three jails local. And he thinks I'm gonna roll up to this first one and be like, boom, here's my laptop. Here's my picture. Who's the dude? And they're gonna be like, oh, it's this person. And then that didn't happen. (laughs) I was like, the way you said it, like the way he just started talking, I was like, yeah, Vic, like we kind of saw that coming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so then they go up to the second jail and the mm-hmm. warden calls a man by the name of Chris Hubbard. Don't worry. It's not Chris Hubbard. <laughs> <laughs> He's the head of security. And they're like, OK, come into the office. And they open the thing and they go, oh, that's David Stewart. Mm-hmm. And they're like, What? They're like, yeah, he's like, that's the Walmart. And then they say, like, the town it's in. And the detectives. Mm-hmm. I love how Chris is like, the detectives lit up. Oh, my God, I'm so <laughs> excited. They, there he's there. He's here. <laughs> then, in kind of a weird <laughs> stroke of luck, David is at work today. Right that minute. Right that minute. He was working a like a mid-shift, 3 to 11, and they were like, bring him in. And... Mm-hmm. David walks in and Vic was like, oh, that's the motherfucker. That's the dude. I see him. Like, that's literally like what the vibe I got was like, he was so fucking excited to see this dude. (laughs) It was funny. (laughs) Before we go any further, I was like, oh, they're just going to interview him. That's it. They're not going to get evidence. Okay, cool story. (laughs) So Vic asks them, like, do you know why we're here? David goes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They basically are like, what do you know about these prank calls that are being made? And David is super anxious. The actor portraying him is like bouncing his knee Freaking a lot out. and mm-hmm. like rubbing his leg. Like, like, okay, he's obviously anxious. We get it. <laughs> and David asks, did anyone get hurt? Yeah. And then I don't think they actually answer that question. And then Mm-mm. he goes, thank God it's over. And they're like, but he hasn't confessed. And I was like, that's kind of a confession. Yeah. That, it's like that's half definitely. a confession. It's yeah, like, a, like some kind of involvement or knowledge of it happening. Right. So he says, at first he says, I didn't make the calls. Right. And then he comes back later and goes, well, I, I didn't buy any cards. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So they don't have anything to hold him with. So they need evidence. But they can't fucking tail him and, like, watch his ass like they did with the East Area Rapist or the Golden State Killer. Because he knows. That he's like, he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows. And so 
they find out that David lives in this town called Fountain, and it's this kind of like rural, like a poor area, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of like mobile homes. And so they he actually has a trailer, and then he has a small shed out back. Mm-hmm. And Vic gets the Panama City detectives to get a warrant, and they go do top to bottom search, and they find out that this man is a wannabe cop, Ooh. for sure. Ooh. He has applied for numerous jobs in the area. He has journals chronicling him doing ride-alongs or, like, volunteering. And it's like, yeah. chase someone going 123 or 28 miles an hour. Mm. Like, that kind of shit. And it's almost like juvenile cop shit. Mm-hmm. It's like the kind of shit you'd get real excited if you were, like, a 17-year-old doing a ride-along with a cop. And they're like, I went mm. 140. I mean, granted, I think I would pee myself if I went 140 because that's, <laughs> that's very fast. But, like. And then so they're looking for different things. And then wouldn't because like those things aren't like cop applications and that kind of shit. That's Mm -hmm. not going to do anything. However, they find a calling card. Mind you, David has already been like, I've never bought a calling card. Why would you say I've (laughs) never bought a calling card? Right. You just be like, I didn't buy one within the last like blah, blah, blah months or something. I would just be like, I don't know what calling cards you're talking about. Yeah. But see, when you say never have I ever, and then mm-hmm. they're like, look, I got a fucking calling card. You're like, oh, shit, because now you got to be like, those aren't my pants. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love when you talk to cops and they're like, oh, yeah, my favorite stories are like when I catch a person and you like frisk them and then they have like illegal substances or a knife or shit mm-hmm. on them. And like, those are my pants. And it's like, whose pants are they? Like, that's <laughs> me as a cop. would be like, well, then whose fucking pants are they? Right. Did you steal these pants? Is this just <laughs> like a bad, is this like a dumb criminal, like where you stole the pants, the <laughs> pants had contraband in it? Also, like, if I stole a pair of pants and there was like a thing of meth in my pocket. Get I would rid. Get rid of the meth. Or yeah. even if I borrowed a pair of pants, I'd be like, hey, you right. want your meth bag? Right. <laughs> I don't want that. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, no, thank you. Anyway. <laughs> so Vic has his heart set on getting David charged with sexual assault. Because mm-hmm. these crimes are of sexual nature. And it does make, it does make sense. Like, yeah. why? But the DA in Florida is like, I ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole. Mm-hmm. And no one in Boston wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where a good old buddy comes in. <laughs> oh buddy gotta love us some buddy stump Vic calls buddy and is like dude i got this guy his name is david stewart he's and then he's like where is he in jail and he's like six he's like i'm 650 miles away you got him in jail and he's like no we can't get him so buddy calls his da and mm-hmm. gets a warrant for the man's arrest and they go down there and they arrest one david stewart mm-hmm. and then we meet the other villain in this story. His oh. name is Steve Romans. Romines. Mm-hmm. And he's on this show for all of a minute and 20 seconds. And I fucking hate this dude. <laughs> yeah. Literally, he says, and here's the thing. I don't think cops are perfect. I don't want to come no. off as being like, cops are always the best. No, they're not. No. I mean, we know that's They're humans. False. Yeah. Right? People are human. But, <laughs> oh my God. He's like, Cops almost never get it right. <laughs> he like the fucking eyes on this bro. Dramatic. This when he's oh like, God. he's crazy. David is not guilty, and his eyes are just like <laughs> popping out of his head. Yeah, I was like, he's very intense. Calm down, Steve. 
Yeah. Jesus. Steve mm. looks like he's a Joe, what's his face? Jose Baez type Yes, asshole. yes. Same vibes, mm-hmm. nice suit, just being like, my client is not guilty. He did not make those phone calls. And I'm just like, oh, God. The whole 100, like the whole minute and 20 seconds you were on this, oh, 80 mm-hmm. seconds I saw your face. I now have a new arch enemy in life. <laughs> yep. I'm like, dude, Tara literally texted me earlier. I was at work and she'd watched it and she was like, you're going to hate his lawyer. I was like, oh, really? So that's when like when Randall came on, I was like, is this the dude? Because I don't hate Randall that much. I think Mm-mm. Randall's a little weird, but like, that's fine. But then like Steve came on and I was like, oh, <laughs> you're like different. OK, we'll probably have a lot of thoughts in the next episode because I have a feeling oh. he's going to be in a lot of it. I have a feeling he's going to be in a lot of it. And I have a feeling, oh my God, I just, I get that like you're a defense attorney and you have to like, you have to believe in your, well, I say I hope you try to believe in your, your client, but this was like, dude, I don't even believe my client, but I'm psycho. Mm-hmm. So he's the type, he's like a better call Saul type. You know, where he's going to, like, do weird yeah. shit, like, help you get out of sticky situations. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? It's so weird. Interesting times ahead for us, I feel. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just like, ooh. I'm, like, super anxious about, I mean, I know how it plays out, because I, like, Googled right. it. Yeah. But still, I'm just like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, that ends this episode. You literally end with Steve's giant ass eyes just staring at you. <laughs> so, for real. Best of luck with that if you're watching it. Mm-hmm. But we will be Jump back. Scare. <laughs> just, just kidding. Big old eyes. <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus, Steve, put them away. <laughs> Steve also is, those aren't his pants. That's the vibe he gives. Mm-hmm. anyway so we will be back on monday with a regular episode which monday is memorial day it's a three day oh yeah for me too Woo! <laughs> it's like are you gonna say not you you're like yay for you oh no 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 me too yes <laughs> yay <laughs> <laughs> okay with that we will be back here on monday for the regular episode and we will be back next thursday for the final installment of this crazy fuckery Oh, man. Yep. We'll see you guys then. Okay. Bye. Toodles.